1: If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to your Friday episode of Private Parts. Um, Do you know this song, If We Ever Broke Up? But I'm not going to try and sing it. I'm not going to try and sing it. Bet you heard that on TikTok. Have we ever broke up? Yeah, that one. Hey, we have artist, singer, just legend, Mae Stevens on the podcast today. Now, Mae came on and we chatted about so much. She's 20 years old. And I know it sounds really patronizing when I say it, only because I'm older than that. But it's such a young age and she was so mature, so uh, thoughtful, so interesting and interested it was such a great conversation we talked about the music industry we talk about bullying um we talk about mental health we talk about persistency we talk about family we talk about so many different things it's a really amazing episode and so many things to take out of it um i'm going to get on with the episode because it's so good but just remember we're on social media so if you follow us on tiktok or instagram or youtube you can at private podcast and remember to subscribe if you haven't already okay here we go Enjoy the episode with May Stevens. May, thank you for coming.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> told you it was going to be a casual episode. It's going to be really casual about stuff. Love it. Hey, when you first came in, you said that your your dad wanted to know how, if I was a rugby, because he's a big rugby fan, isn't he?
3: Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's he's an ex-player. I'd like to think he was a pretty good one, to be honest. I never really caught in play, but yeah, he had a very very strong question to ask
2: yeah I I played a rugby game where um there's a guy called Brad Thorne who is six foot five or six foot nine sorry six foot nine because that's so big I'm like five nine that's like a foot bigger than me it's like the size of a fridge that is like the size of a fridge and he tackled me and he broke through my ribs and I think your dad was pretty excited about that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think like most of the country was pretty excited when that happened.
3: When he uh, when he found out I was doing the podcast, he was like, please ask him, please, I just want to know. Like, obviously, probably like, how did it feel? But I didn't know you broke three ribs. Yeah, I
2: broke three ribs. Have you ever broken anything?
3: No, I've never. never broken a bone. You must have been a tough kid. Yeah, I mean, I was the kind of kid to roll in mud and pick up bugs and try them. It was exquisite taste as a kid, but... No, I was problematic. I was the kind of kid that if I stopped talking, something was wrong. Really? Yeah. If I if I shut up, I was ill. So you, you you were
2: always quite loud and always quite outgoing and always quite kind of like opinionated, I suppose, in some good ways. Right.
3: Very loud kid. Like I've, I was loud up until I got into school, and that was where things kind of went a little bit south and I quieted down because I got bullied. But I was a very very loud child. Like my parents always said, I'd be a prosecution lawyer because I always got what I wanted.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me just because I want to get into so much. Because, firstly, I mean, you, you've just had this, it's incredible what's going on.
3: It's been the maddest year of my life.
2: I know. And I'm just so excited to get into it and, and everything that's happened. But, you know, I, I was reading up a lot about a lot of you and, and what you're doing and things like that. And it feels like you were heavily invested in music from such an early age. Mm. At 12 years old, you were writing music. Yeah. And, and I, I heard you mention before that your dad was a big influence on you. So just talk about family life growing up and what it was like.
3: So I've obviously, I've got an older brother, he's 25. And my parents spent a long time trying to figure out what both of us were good at. So they started with my brother, went through, he he played rugby for a while. He did music, he did a bit of drawing. Like they took him to different clubs, trying to figure out what he was good at. And they moved on to me. I went through God knows how many after school clubs. I like did art, skiing, judo, all of this stuff. And then I started writing music because I got bullied at school and it was like a release mechanism for me. Like I actually had time to breathe. Uh, I wrote a song about a mother wolf and her cubs, just like a little one on guitar. I took my guitar downstairs. I was so proud of my little scrappy piece of paper, played it to my parents. And my dad just went, "Okay, cool. We found what you're good at. And that was literally it from then on. It was like every day. We got, and, you know, a YouTube profile set up. We started up an Instagram. We started posting covers and we got my first mic and all of this stuff. He just went full in. The moment we were like, this is what you're good at, my dad went, right, where can I get a mic? How can I learn about analytics and social media and the industry and labels and all of this stuff? Like he was researching between all of his breaks at work. He was doing, spending evenings on his laptop, like after dinner, learning everything, and trying to keep up so that he could do the best for me he kind of he took that's, on the role amazing. of like a dadager that's what we called him like the dad manager and he did everything he took me to gigs carried my keyboard ran london underground booked me in for competitions uh, open mics like random music festivals everything like he was so determined and i was just this like 12 year old girl who'd written a song and gone okay this is pretty cool i had no clue what i was doing he was just like right if you want to make a career out of this let's do this and he just yeah he pushed on.
2: That's that's insane because that is that's pretty that's pretty unique to have. I, I mean, my my parents were the opposite. My parents were like, "Sorry, what's your name again?" I like to be sometimes, and I was like, "Hi, I'm Jamie." I think <laughs> so. My parents were sort of the total opposite to that, and what that kind of led me to, I think, mm. is like wanting to be sent the stage because I wanted to be noticed and mm. oh my God, and all these different things and just love that sort of entertainment yeah. side because it gave that sort of validation. But actually yours is different is that your? it was your dad who was dri- the driving force behind everything.
3: Yeah, he was just like, he knew what I was good at and it was a long shot. I mean, I could have turned around to him and said, I want to be an architect or I want to be a doctor or a dentist. And I just went, no, I want to be a musician. And he was just like, right, okay. And most parents would be like, that's an unachievable dream. That's like mm. a long shot. He just went, cool, let's roll with it. And just went off on one. And it was great. Like he, I went through my rebellious teenage stage, you know, mm. the one we all go through where we think alcohol is a good idea in a field. Did that. <laughs> Out um, of
2: like a plastic glove. That's what I had. A gin <laughs> in a glove. I mean, really? Was,
3: yeah. <laughs> like a doctor's glove.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to love it. Yeah. I used to go to parks with my friend and we used to go and get, don't do this if you, if you, and I used to go and get buy like a plastic glove yeah. and fill it with gin and whatever mixer we could do. Why a glove? I don't know. Cause we thought, cause we could drink out of the finger holes. I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. And we would just get very drunk. And then one of my, we came back on the train back to school and my friend threw up on oh the God. guy next to him. And the guy turned and said, I would hit you if I wasn't having such a good day
3: oh my god yeah i feel like that was our that was our pastime i think lockdown was the worst point was just going and sitting in a field I did that most days yeah i know what you mean and then my parents got me drunk for the first time and gave me one hell of a bollocking <laughs>
0: really?
3: yeah uh funnily enough they found me drunk i had sunglasses on i thought i was playing it really cool and then my dad sent me out uh to the in front of all the neighbors with a bucket and a scrubbing brush me. <laughs> my friend threw up on the driveway so he was like right here you go. <laughs> Sent me outside with a bucket and a scrubbing brush, scrubbing down the drive while pissed. That is
2: amazing.
3: <laughs> That's what I had to do in lockdown.
2: <laughs> your, your, dad feels, your dad feels like... <laughs> it's great. Like, yeah, it feels amazing because what he's doing is, he's he's making you take responsibility. Yeah. Which is a really good. He's showing you, actually, he's teaching you work ethic. Yeah. And also he's saying that, like in life you've got to find a purpose. Yeah. And if you want to do that purpose, it's not some, like, hobby. If you want to do no. something, you've got to go for it.
3: My parents are, they were strict when I was growing up. I'd say they they were, you know, I wasn't getting my ears pierced until a certain age. You know, I wasn't allowed up to town, safety stuff. But they did teach me a lot. You know, I was self-sufficient. You know, I could cook, I could do all these things when I was young. And it was a lot easier to get through school when I had them as well because they were both also very open as well. Um, but yeah, they're they are cracking people. Like, I, I learned a lot when I was younger and it helps me now. Like. Mm. I'd like to think they've raised two good humans. You know? Yeah,
2: no, totally. You 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 keep going, not keep going, but there's the, this mentioning of the school and and how tough it was. I've sat with so many different people, right, mm. and everyone's experiences are totally different, and mm. and so many people have this experience of just school was tough. Yeah. How tough was it for you?
3: Mm. I was to put it plainly, like I was the I was originally very loud. You know, you go into school, you're excited. I was the loud kid, I got in with a group of friends who were just awful, like I floated around groups for a long time, I was you know, one of the bigger girls, I was loud and they were the kind of friend group that would make me walk on the grass while they walked on the pavement and they'd they'd kind of waver in and out of, we want you, we don't want you. And so I got bullied in school, kicked down flights of stairs, had my hair cut, my shoes filled with water, stuffed Nick from my bag, they ripped my bag. They kicked down bathroom doors while I was inside, uh, followed me home, got their older boyfriend set on me. Like, I had a bit of a crappy time. Um, And then one of them tried to flirt with my boyfriend at college. But, yeah, they weren't weren't great. Um, It was a bit of a rough time for me. I kind of shut down. Like, at the moment, everyone was starting to blossom and find who they are and figure out their styles and their friends and their personalities. I was just shutting down. And I I got into quite a bad depression when I was year 11. I was going through my GCSEs. I was spending all my time in isolation. I didn't want to be in classes. Didn't want to be near anyone at all. Like, it got to a point where I just couldn't sit in a classroom. So I did most of my GCSEs in the halls, and then I'd go straight back to isolation. And I spent the rest of my school life like that until I got to college, and I left all of them behind. And even then, the ricochet of, like being shut down again and again and again. Then going into college, I had no clue about who I was, mm. what I wanted to do, what kind of person I was. It was awful. But there are a lot of kids that have had definitely a worse time than me, but kids are cruel. Oh, that's awful, man. At first, yeah. just so
2: sorry, because it's, it's so upsetting when that happens, and kids are, uh, yeah, they're, they're awful. And and you're, you're so right in saying that... Um, you know those are the times where you should be developing you should be uh, learning who you are what you like what you dislike Mm. who you fancy whatever it is but you have no chance of living in that present moment because you're so fearful of what's going to happen tomorrow but then you can't forget what's happening yesterday as well and so you're so stuck in this sort of pendulum of, of hell
3: it's being stuck in the same space for God knows how many years, in the same uniform as everyone else, following the same rules of, like, creativity and expressing yourself. Like, everyone is, like, a clone of each other. Mm. Like, people just followed suit. Something trendy came along, everyone was in it. And if you weren't, you got kicked. Like, Mm. especially as well, like, for me, being bisexual as well, that was awful. Like, the kids... Kids are so awful. Especially when it came to that. I'd have people come at me for that i had people telling me you'd never make it as a musician you'll never. nobody will ever accept you i had teachers that doubted me like i, I had teachers what did teachers say teachers i had i had people say to me that because i was so closed off and i spent my time in isolation i couldn't go to lessons they were like you're going to fail your gcse's and then you're never going to get a job and then all of this crap and i was just like i came out i passed my gcse's and i'm sat here so
2: damn straight yeah damn straight <laughs> man I love that. Firstly, I admire your vulnerability and your openness. It's amazing because to, I, I it's, maybe, I'm, it took me so long in my life. I think until like late twenties. To even, like, speak about my vulnerabilities. Mm. Couldn't do it. Couldn't say that I felt anxious. Mm. Couldn't couldn't talk to anyone that I had had a panic attack or whatever. Yeah. Or that I had had different experiences that I just didn't just shut down. Wouldn't tell anyone. Yeah. And you're 20 years old and you're talking about it now. You're not ashamed of it. You're proud of it. No. And you're saying fuck you to the other people who 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 messed you around.
3: Yeah, I mean, I got told my entire life I was never going to be anything. I was never going to make it in the industry. I was someone who was chasing an impossible dream and all of those people that have said that about me are texting me going oh how are things heard you were playing here the other day and it's I'm so proud of you and I am nice to them but in my the back of my head I'm like you you took the piss out of me you made me feel like I was useless you made me feel like I was never going to achieve anything and now I'm standing here people want a part of that. Mm. And it's the same with like my parents as well. Like they championed me, my friends championed me, but everyone else, like I went to school with, they were horrible to me. They took the piss out of me every single day of my life. And now they're popping me a cheeky text like, hey, do you reckon you can get me tickets to this gig? (laughs) No, no, I cannot. (laughs) Fuck off.
2: (laughs) I think think it's amazing. I think, firstly, when you're in that situation and Mm. you can't see the tunnel out, it's kind Mm. of a really tough place. Yeah. And you spoke about depression. Did you speak to your parents about it?
3: It's a double-ended sword because you want to tell them everything. You want to confide in them, but you also know if you tell them, they are going to go up the school and then you're going to get more shit for it. So it, was, it was kind of...
2: Really? You think that's what would happen? That is
3: exactly what would happen, especially at my school as well. The problem was that the girls that were there, they came from families where their mum kind of egged them on a little bit and like didn't care so if I if I'd have brought my parents in it just would have got worse I would have been deemed as a tattletale and that would have been it so I'd never really told my parents and I I know I feel bad for it now because they they wish they'd have known but they couldn't have done anything about it because I wouldn't let I wouldn't have let so them go you didn't, so
2: when you came home you just you you just didn't let anything on
3: uh yeah I mean on my I think the only time I ever told them anything on my 15th birthday had a big birthday badge on I was really proud did all my hair. I went into school and it was probably the worst day of my life. I got bullied relentlessly. Like, people made the worst birthday. Like, they, they made every effort to make it shit for me. And I came home and I just, like, I lied on the sofa for hours and I just started crying and Dad was like, how long has this been going on? And I said, not very long. It'd been going on for two years, like, relentlessly every day to the point where I was actually faking being sick to, get, to not going to school and i didn't tell my parents until i left college actually a good couple of years later before i really told them the only person that knew anything was my brother cuz he'd been through the same thing as me and so i'd sit down he went to my school as well um so i told him everything and he was the person i confided in i actually probably wouldn't be sat here without him much really yeah he saved my life a good couple of times he yeah, was the I'm only so person that listened sorry, to me
2: man. this is i it just it's kids yeah but it's but also but what i can see it, you're you're being open about it but also what you're doing is you're going ah oh, you know it's, it's it's just kids and things like that but it, it's because it, lots of people will be listening right now right and so many people again who've sat in that chair and spoken to me have said you know they've been through the experience mm. of bullying and it's it's shit and yeah how did you know that it was going to get better firstly and secondly for someone listening right right now who may be experiencing the same thing mm. what would you say to them
3: I'd say it gets better when you leave school. I spent every single day of my life counting down the days until I left school. Like two months left, two weeks left, get through the last exam and then you're out. The moment you're at school, you're away from those people, you'll make better friends, you go to college. It's so much easier because when you're in the same boat as everyone else every single damn day, there is no way of getting out of it. You have to finish school, you have to do your exams. But the moment you get out... You can make so many better friends. I mean, one of my best mates is sat right over there, and I brought her in as a as a someone who does my videography and my social media. And I met her at college. It's it gets better. You just have to count down the days. And kids are cruel. I think as time is going on and kids are getting mature mm. so quickly. Yeah. Like I feel like I've seen some year sevens that are... when I was year seven, I was still playing with Barbies. Oh well, my god! Like people yeah. are doing. People are doing the makeup, walking around with Louis bags and you know maybe, but Been when you,
2: you're, you're 20 when i was 20 years old i was wearing a pink boiler suit on a beach like i was like yeah i mean i was just like not <laughs> doing it and you're you know killing the music industry so i think that's what it's it, it sort of and i think social media maybe has done that to us It's made us more experienced and less yeah. naive and there's something beautiful about naivety i think
3: yeah i'm so glad i'm not i was not the generation now that have tiktok at school oh my god
1: If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: God. Why?
2: But why do you think that? Because for what reason? Yeah.
3: I found something the other day, which I think is so vile. So now this there's a trend going around with kids where they'll make profiles of the name of the school and then it'll be like biggest slags in year eight, uh, biggest this in year whatever, prettiest girls. And it is awful. Like I stumbled across one from somebody had made for my school because I, I still follow a couple of people that I went to school with on TikTok. And seeing that and seeing like these photos of these girls that are just like just... Stuff that people have ripped off it's their Instagram. It's just shaming. It's just shaming. It's shaming and it's absolutely awful. If I had, if I sent my kid to school and that crap happened, I'd pull them out and homeschool them because it's awful. Yeah. It's really like what kids are doing now. I I came in when Instagram was only just starting out, and the majority of that was people taking pictures of their lunches and yes. posting them on, like, <laughs>
2: yeah, or no, the odd, like, that's what it used to be, right? The odd coffee
3: <laughs> selfie, like, <laughs> yeah. and now it's like shaming pages and. Like for likes, crap, like
2: how do what you what but but just and I don't want to I just think it's important because I think you know when you whenever whenever you talk about uh whatever it is, whether it's bullying or mental mm. health or something, you, there's always an echo back, and I think that's mm. a brilliant thing, right I think sharing these important yeah. stories is really important. Wh- why do you think it was you that was targeted by these idiots?: Do you know what? I
3: don't. Maybe it was because I was a bit loud. You know, I've never, I don't think I've ever fit in. Like throughout my childhood, I've never really been like the one that agrees with everyone and has something to say. And is always, you know, always in the same boat as everyone else. I feel like I learned differently to everyone else as well. When everyone else was ace in their GCSEs and understanding the criteria, I was learning completely differently. I'm a surround learner. So it took me a while to pick... So what's the surround learning? So while everyone else was reading the board and putting stuff down, I was having to physically like create diagrams and colour-code things. And actually, if there was an experiment, I'd have to learn through the experiment and what's on the board... So I couldn't learn from just words on a board or a PowerPoint. I had to... Why?
2: Because it doesn't... That's it. That's that almost weirdly really relates to me in some way. I, but I didn't know that what it's called. But why was that for you? Because it doesn't go in almost? It just
3: it, doesn't. No, I, I got to a point where I, even through my GCSE, I was researching life hacks. Like if you chew a flavoured gum while you're revising, you can chew the same gum while you're taking the exam and it helps you remember things. Or I was the kind of kid that always got bollocked by every single teacher because I colour-coded everything. Like, you know... Is that normal. a
2: photographic memory? What is that, is that, a, what is, what is that in your m- mind that does that?
3: I definitely don't have a photographic memory, but I remembered stuff by colours. Like, I got to a point where, because I just couldn't get things off the board, I highlighted everything. Like, my entire page, and there was a bit that wasn't highlighted, but they were all in different colours and they were all different sections that I understood. But my teachers didn't understand it. So when they saw an entire workbook just full of, like, diagrams and colours and gel pens...
2: You didn't fit the... I got you. put
3: in tension for it.
2: Yeah, it's, it because it's an learn. archaic system that doesn't, yeah. doesn't allow differences to come out. It has to be this way or the highway.
3: Yeah, so I got put in the category of she's, uh, she's the kind of person that colours it all in with gel pens. And then that led on to me joining the music side and, and really finding my path with music. And then I started putting YouTube videos up. There was one kid I went to school with and he was awful. He used to body shame me every day. Like I got really bad body dysmorphia from it. And he used to pull up my YouTube videos when we had supply teachers on the main board and make everyone watch them and then take the piss out of me. That was what I think that was why I got targeted because I put YouTube videos up. Yeah, that was what happened. But, because
2: you were trying, because you were doing something to, to get out there and, and people, it's almost a jealousy thing. It's an underlying yeah, jealousy thing where maybe it must be. I, I, I definitely think it has to be because you've gone actually and done something you have put something out there you've almost put something out there to be vulnerable and actually it's an easy target right aha look at this let's laugh at this but
3: I think as well as it might have been because I was the kind of person in school that would just take it like I didn't fight back because I just I didn't want to cause any more stress than that was already there so I just kind of took it and I did that for years and years and years and then something kind of snapped at college and I just didn't take it anymore it's like no, and I started fighting back. Yeah, that was kind of the point where I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not gonna bow down to social pressures. I'm not going to take this crap anymore. I am finding who I am as a person. I know what I want to do with my life, and I'm gonna go and bloody do it. Like that was that was it. And people took the piss out of me for wanting to be a musician, but sat here now
2: that's amazing so and so when you the, the the music side of things was what helped you with the bullying you said that yeah. so 12 years old you start writing music when was the first time you picked up a guitar or an instrument and went this is this is that, that when, when you have met your dad when you came out and said, yep. you know, but when at school was it where you had started to go okay this is actually something that I really want to do
3: so from 4 years old we had this we have this 110 year old in piano it's been passed down through generations and it got passed to me when I was 12 but it was at my nan's house. So every day after school, even primary school, I've never learned how to play music. I've never learned how, sorry, how to read music, but I, I just kind of played by ear. So I did that for a couple of hours after school it's every like day.
2: Nice <laughs> What's going on? Yeah.
3: Just be, you could
2: play by ear?
3: I just kind of started listening to songs and then pissing around with the keys. And I just kind of learnt to play songs. I'd get hear get stuff out on of the here. radio. I, out of here. that's what i did like that's how i spent my time and that's how i learned how to play and then
2: so just sorry just just for my my dumb naive brain you 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 heard so you basically uh remembered what each note sounded like without knowing what it was you didn't know if it was a c minus nothing like that and then you would just play it just on the, the memory of the sound
3: it took take me about five minutes to figure it out but once i did i learned a moonlight sonata from my nan's radio on piano when I was how does it mean I started dun, 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 okay, dun, yeah. I can't <laughs> yeah, but I, I learned that, and um I, I learned loads of stuff I, I learned, did some queen some ABBA, um yeah, and then I took music for GCSE, and I started to learn how to read music. My music teacher, she was amazing, like she tutored me after school to help me pass my GCSEs, learn what how to read her music name? What's her name? Miss Ely. This she's email. amazing. Big shout out to her. Um, she's always championed me. Like she was the person that listened to me when I had a bad day after school. She tutored me. She helped me with my work. Like she she got me through school. And, and she just,
2: saw your talent.
3: I, I, I hope so. She st- apparently she still plays my GCSE pieces in, in lessons now. <laughs> really. Just like. Fifteen, sixteen-year-old me singing into a really crappy microphone playing a song. Yeah, she she still plays those. But yeah, she she was amazing. But I, I used to sit in the practice rooms during lunch with a keyboard or a piano and I'd just sit there my entire lunch. I'd lock the door, i put the shade down, I didn't want anyone else in. That was how I got through my day. Because in school, in isolation, you're not if you're not if you're just sitting there by will, you have to go outside and get some fresh air. So I just went into the it's the music rooms that I spent hours in there. And that was like wow. my, that was my school life. That was what I did.
2: But okay, so one could sort of say that even though you were having this terrible time mm-hmm. at school and everything was going bad, that almost pushed you towards going into this place and playing with music and, and you It was know, escapism. It, it was, was escapism, Literally
3: right? the only time I had where I could hear my own thoughts. I could, if I had had a crappy day, I could just go home release it all in a song, write stuff. I used to write about problems with friends. I used to write about my friends' relationships. I used to get people to give me things to write about so I could take my mind off it at the end of the day. And it got to a point where I'd come home, I'd close my dining room door when my keyboard was in my house and just play. I used to play four hours a day every day after school for years. And that was what I did. That was my therapy. And the moment I'd come out, my mum would be like, you okay now? I'm like, yep, fine. I've had my day. Four I've sorted it out. Four hours a day? I used to sit on there for hours. Like just figuring stuff out and if i couldn't get something i'd play it again and again and again and again until i got every single thing perfect
2: that feels a, that feels a, that feels like a, almost obsessive in, a, in it like a, in not in a negative way or a good way i don't know
3: it was a, it was a good way i mean it was it gave me something to focus on other than like classes because at that point most of my friends were going out on the piss and complete
2: distraction so the other option was to think about that so this was the way better so let's just do this to distract myself
3: i yeah i missed most of the house parties and all of that crap because i was too busy focused on getting a note right or writing a song or preparing for a gig like it was it was obsessive i got to the point where i i said one day okay i want to learn how to get from this end of the piano to that one just from one hand hitting every single note and i did it for hours Until I got it. And then I was like, right, move on to the next thing. And that's, I just tasked myself with those kind of things to build up my dexterity and to get myself ready for gigs. I, yeah, I, it became obsessive.
2: How much do you think there's a, I don't know if you've ever heard the 10,000 hour rule where you become a master, right? I think
3: I might've hit a little bit over (laughs) 10,000 hours.
2: It feels like that, right? But i mean this is such a lame sort of reference but I, I did this dancing show right and i did this strictly thing and th- th- what i realized in that is that you were given like a dance routine at the beginning of a week yeah. right and you were like there's just no way there's no way i'm going to be able to learn this yeah. no way in a million years but then okay. came, come thursday having practiced for whatever nine hours a day you yeah. tell me oh, i think i kind of get it yeah and what it made me realize is when you really push yourself yeah I didn't think I had really pushed myself I was always I always did things I knew I could do yeah. until then I' really pushed myself. you realize that you can actually do anything if you really push up yeah. But you must have realized that from an early age that if you really push yourself in certain yeah. areas you can get it done
3: well I had a bit of a phase I was probably 15 15 to like 17 years old mm. I had no drive I But that was the
2: depression stage, right?
3: That was, but it was also like, I I kind of had a moment where I was like, everyone's going to house parties, everyone's getting boyfriends, everyone's growing up. And I was just like, I'm sat here on a keyboard, like with no boyfriend. I'm not drunk. What am I doing? So I, I did take a period where I just had no drive. And the relationship me and my dad had became quite rocky because he was trying to push me to do something that he knew I loved. And all I could think about was how do I get a bottle of vodka from the afu without getting caught mm. that was my that was my thought process and I, yeah i went through that stage of life and it wasn't really until i turned 18 and i got a job and my dad went is this really what you want to do this is the
2: job in asda right yeah yeah it
3: was that it was the hardest decision because we were kind of toying on whether to quit or whether to keep going And we had this long conversation and it was just like, you're working at Asda, you know, this has become your life. You're working so many shifts. And between that, you're what trying to achieve music. And he just said to me, do you really want to do this? And I had a long, a really long think about it. And I just said, yes. And that was when it was kind of snapped back in. I was like, right, okay, let's think of gigs. Let's do this. Let's hop back on TikTok. Let's get content out every day. And he recorded everything and edited everything for me and helped me out between my shifts and the last video, the video that went viral for if we ever broke up was the last video I was going to post. Like we tried. Generally. No, it was the genuinely I was gonna I, I was actually going to post the video, and I was like, right, I have an entire year. If it doesn't do, go well, I find a new career path, I need to find a way to make better income, I need to you know move out, I need to sort things out with my partner, like all of this stuff. And then I went for my new year's Eve, I got really, really wasted, and then I woke up the next morning to seven million and that was like the weirdest moment of my life
2: wait so, so hold, hold on so you're, you this is oh my god this is wild okay it's weird this is no it's a, it's just a, there's these shining moments in life i always mm. think and you you they they come yeah. and you and you you either grab them or you don't okay everyone that is the end of part one okay all you got to do is go and click over to part two wherever you're listening to this podcast and you can continue the episode with may stevens